So why did you disagree with me so much to begin with? This is uh, the start of the podcast, Lockie. Yeah, so the podcast kind of talks about, I guess he starts in a way I didn't expect. I kind of expected him to talk more around investment or something along those lines. But he starts by talking about this new book he's writing, um, The Great Game, which is a work of fiction, but it's sort of a teaching book about how to be happy from what I can understand, or at least around those themes of happiness. Yeah. How, how to live live the game of life. Mm. Um, and I think it's just the way you were speaking about it that kind of bugged me and really put me off and my radar was up saying, "What? let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> I was like, should I spend the rest of the time? What's wrong with Ryan? Why is he listening to this? So um, the um, – which I think we were actually – in agreement about is mm. I thought that there was a, a degree of certainty and almost I'm hesitant to say it but arrogance that that went with some of those those um, thoughts around how to live a good life particularly um, coming off the back of where that where those initial thoughts had come from um, I, I guess I was a little bit skeptical because he was basically asked a question out of the blue on stage in an interview with Tim Ferriss uh, as to what, um, you know, what his New Year's resolutions were coming off the previous year and, you know, and basically after a little um, back and forth in his own mind, uh, he was able to come up with three different learnings that he'd had from the the previous year, um, which were the importance of connecting with others, the importance of making fun and delight in any situation and leaning into each moment expecting magic or uh, miracles to happen. Now, it's not to pull away necessarily from those points but I think for them to be almost aha light bulb moments on stage in front of a, a lot of people after what sounded like he kind of fell into answering the question in a way that he wasn't expecting, um, he actually said that he said uh, that there were three things he'd reflected on, but he hadn't actually reflected on the year at all, um, which he was honest about. And it just didn't, yeah, maybe there was in like a, uh, a gen- disingenuous element to it. Yeah, like maybe. he goes on to sort of talk about how statistically we're better off than we've ever been um, financially and quality of life um, than, say, compared to, I think, Shane kind of points out compared to, say, past centuries or this sort of thing. Um, But, you know, suicide rates are at an all-time high and this sort of thing, Um, which, again, is kind of like a really high-level view in my opinion. Um, And then the conclusion drawn is that people are unhappy and money's not the issue, which I'm not sure that's you can just generalise like that to everyone. Um, And it just gave me the overall feel that, he was kind of approaching it from I've been really financially successful and I'm really smart, which of course he is and I loved the bit on investment and that sort of thing. And I'm a pretty happy guy so I'll, I can solve this issue. It came from this sort of intellectualising, you know, in a field that really he doesn't really like he can have a personal opinion about it of course and he's lived a life but to me it, it was really 
I'm not sure that's the type of person I really want to be listening to for advice on happiness. And this is something that is it, I thought would be interesting to talk about because, you know, you're kind of drawn to people, at least I am, and Warren Buffett may be a good example of this, is like this guy's super successful. He seems like a really good guy. He's um, wonderful speaker and he's got that sort of folksy nature about him and, you know, the book, his book um, that was written about him, Snowball, is probably my favourite book. But people go to these Berkshire Hathaway meetings and ask him all about all these life and philosophical questions, which he answers. But because he's good at picking stocks, does that really, is that a good reason to ask him about all your other troubles? And then I think that people sometimes get sucked into um, answering these things as these successful figures where they really, you know, they don't know that much more about it than the next person on the street. I don't, I, I, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, the, um, it, it, almost as if you've, you've had some success in this part of your life, therefore you, you must have the whole of it worked you must, out. Yeah, you're just like this sage. Hmm. So on the investment, this is where it starts to get a bit, a bit more enjoyable. Hmm. Yeah. He's a very clever man. Certainly. Um, <clears throat> he's, he covers off two things that really, really resonated for me um, going through uh, the different types of traders and also different types of trends and the way that he looks at it. But what was so interesting for me was, um, you know, certainly uh, not an expert or certainly not anyone that's done a great deal of reading in the space, um, hearing about the way he approaches what he does. Now, obvious big disclaimer for anything that we talk about here is none of this is financial advice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we don't claim to be oh, no. providing any financial advice. This is probably the last place you should be looking for that. <laughs> Consult but, other sources. <laughs> but nonetheless. Yes. he. Uh, it's something we're interested in though. Yes. I think strangely interested in, mm. would you say? Yes, I and, would. And I feel, I feel like that many people are in this, this bracket. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the thing I was struck with listening to this because uh, he goes through his approach, which is pretty interesting actually. Uh, one of the things he says is if you want to find gold or go and look for gold, look where things don't make sense and dig in further from there. That's an awesome quote, isn't it? It's kind of like if something kind of doesn't work with your how you know the world to work, there's probably something that's misaligned there or mispriced or something like that. And that's an interesting quote that I'll take away, I reckon. Yeah. He, he certainly looks at it from the perspective of what are particular people doing mm. and based on what those particular people are doing, how should I act in, in, the envi- in this environment? Mm. Um, so he's rather than picking stock or focusing on a currency or you know, bonds on a particular country or something of that or nature. The intrinsic value of BHP or something. It's yes, he it, doesn't care about that. He's focusing on the humans that are buying these things, which determine the price. 
yeah and he's got a he's got a, a great um uh, a great view of what investment is as a result and he says that an investment is nothing more than the expression of a view of the future your view of the future can be right or wrong and your means of expression can be right or wrong but that's what you're attempting to do it's super interesting to hear about those sort of things and it's really kind of i've always been really interested in investment advice but it's not I've kind of come to realize that why is that? Because it's not actually that useful to me. Like I'm not going to go out or I shouldn't tomorrow and use those three trends to try and start mapping Commonwealth bank stocks or something. Yeah. But it seems to be like you're hearing like the secrets to making, getting rich or something. But well, why, if you, why, why? <laughs> if you actually take, let's go back to Warren Buffett, he this guy's picked the market for 50 years or something. He's one of the richest people in the world. But there's only a handful of people that have been able to perform like that and they're like rock stars of the business world. And that's with they do that professionally and only they are the ones that have just outperformed the market. So it's bloody hard. (laughs) And most of the guys who try and do it... They don't do it well. Um, it's been proven basically that most prof- like that you can. It's no better than chance investing in most most uh, people. I think this is um, attributable. To, it might be to his business partner Charlie Munger, um, where basically he says, unless you are doing this as a professional in some you know some caliber, just buy some indices and forget about them. Yeah, hit up the index funds, go do something else because, but it's just so f- interesting to read about and getting that edge and that sort of thing. But to me, but it's attractive. It is. I, and look, I've invested and done terribly. <laughs> I invested some money in the stock market just before the 2008 crash. Nicely done, but half the money and uh, walked away as a uni student crying basically, managed to sell basically at the bottom too, which is good. Um, and that's been most of my experience. I've kind of, I've been tempted to dabble back in, uh, but I'm always interested in reading about investment advice and I, I've kind of had to stop myself because I've realised that I, I have had much more success in other things that have, um, I've made money from <laughs> So I should be focusing on that unless I can apply it kind of in a micro sense. I should just be letting someone else deal with that. There is one book I I have liked called Mm. uh, Mastering the Market Cycle um, by Howard Marks. Mm. And I haven't read that. Yeah, I'd love to do it on the podcast one day because to me it's the only one that's really been able to combine, say, the thinking of Daniel Kahneman, uh, how you're feeling when the different – parts of a market cycle are happening, why most people know you should sell at the bottom but don't and all this sort of, sorry, buy at the bottom but don't um, and all these sort of things. And I actually read that book while I was (laughs) going through the Bitcoin bubble having bought some Bitcoin. Um, And you watched yourself, did you? And I watched myself react and others around me and all the emotions that went with the small investment I made (laughs) in some Bitcoin. And um, 
so that book had taught me a few things. But yeah. knowing the PE multiple to sell at or, you know, why am I reading that stuff? It's, yeah. I should be doing other things. Yeah, there's, there's probably unless you're truly investing the time, yeah, yeah. You're going to struggle, and so it's it's let someone else handle handle that for you. That's that's invested, or let something that tracks the market, not even someone. So you're paying lower fees, do it for you. That's my opinion. Unless you've got an edge or a real passion for it, mm. yeah. he says. Adam does say. Oh, I quite enjoyed this. He he said. I think there's a book called One Up on Wall Street, and he he said he loves when books like this come out. Or he actually hates when books like this come out because what it means is um, uh, all there's a number of people in the general public who get excited about investing, yep. think that they've got one up on Wall Street, mm-hmm. and will so will go out and uh, start trying these things. And so this book was centered around you know the the local information that you have and mm. things that you're exposed to. So you should invest based on that. Um, Whereas the guys on Wall Street love that. They love these moments because that is their opportunity to take your lunch money and pocket it for themselves. And then lose it all in the next crash. Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't jump into the ring with Muhammad Ali. So why would you jump into the bloody ocean yeah. with these sharks? 